Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's... Yeah, they have asked for that, really. Fancy going to the World Cup. Get over This time Ronaldo is a cod. Boom, 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 foul. Boom, 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 yellow card. Nah, that's actually don't want to. I have to use my language. I suggest you shut up and show more football. Good lad. I don't throw teacups. It's not my style. You got a lot of chop punches. What you doing down here? You show me, man. <laughs> Three games down, seven points in the bag on the back of a hugely successful campaign at Euro 2016. And yet, boys, and yet, it doesn't really feel like things are going all that well. Hi, Ken. Hi, Murph. Hi, hello there, on. Certainly the management and players reckon they seem to feel that they're getting a raw deal from the media. As articulated by James McLean post-match last night, we will play that Sky Sports interview and get into that side of things with Richie Sadler a little bit later on. So much whole fire there for the time being. I must say, I felt pretty good about our chances just as soon as I saw the coin toss. The Moldovan, cap- Moldovan captain wins it. Uh-huh. And then thinks, geez, I haven't thought this far ahead. I just, I just assumed I was going to lose it. Us Moldovans <laughs> don't win coin tosses. What are the chances? I'm not usually the captain. The other guy got dropped. Is he here? No, he's not there. I'll ask some other fella. Um, which way are we playing? It's like, yeah, with the win. <laughs> and then he decides to stay, stay put where he is, which also, you know, this added His to, pen and handing was top class, yeah. though, you know. This is on the back of a couple of pacings already in the group. The manager is under pressure. A lot of changes to the team. And not very hostile atmosphere. I kind of felt that we got a second dirty goal. Mm. There could have been a mass walk out there. They were already kind of getting on their teams back a little bit. Uh, I think I, just, I was just quite amused by the the coin toss, really, and the Moldovans' <laughs> lack of. Uh, you know, we have these guys have right these guys. where we want them. Yeah, there are no easy games in international football, Ken. But I'd argue that Moldova is one of the easier ones. Yeah, it is definitely. Even with the injuries to our own players and so on, it is one of the easier ones, which is why when they scored, I mean, there's. Their goal was a bit freakish. I mean, it was it was terrible play by us, particularly Duffy. Um, and they scored. I mean, you know, what it reminded me of uh, the the chase, the long chase between. You could have made a movie about that chase. Like it went on for so long, Duffy chasing <laughs> after what is it, Bugayev? Bugayev, yeah. Um, it reminded me of the Man United Leeds game. Oh yeah, I know where you're going with this one. Yeah. Uh, Ian Hart versus David Beckham. Yeah, this comes up periodically, once every five years or so. At this Just I've never seen it and like it. it was until kind of, until Duffy against Bugayev. Yeah, it's, it was kind of weird because it seemed like ordinary football and then we saw Seamus Coleman actually running and it was like, oh, it's like those scenes in the Lord of the Rings movies where they have to show a hobbit and an ordinary sized person yeah. 
in the same frame. And it's like, oh, yeah, the hobbits are really small. You kind of forget that when it's just hobbit on hobbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to add the perspective of, of an actual athlete running. running alongside them, running, you know, backwards. Duffy is a particular type of athlete. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a big dude. He's very big and he's good at certain things and he's not so good at chasing back from the other half after a guy who's mm. got a stolen a few yards on. That's not the strongest part of his game. Which made the mistake kind of difficult to understand. You know, when you, you have an obvious weakness like that, and most players at the, you know at most levels do have weaknesses in their games. You normally, and they're acutely aware of it. You're acutely of aware of it, yeah. I mean, he, he knows full well that I don't want to get caught, not even one-on-one with a striker. I don't want to get caught on my heels as a striker runs past me. And yet, for some reason, he decided to step forward. Well, it's a underheaded moment. It's a combination of a few things. Uh, the pass was a bit weird. It's kind of a poked long ball. It was it, I, 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 I don't know if it, was, if it was hit exactly the way he wanted to hit it. Uh, uh, Duffy, uh, too keen to impress, uh, too eager to try and win the ball high up the field, and probably also underrating his bone. He's thinking, I'm hardly up against Neymar here, you know, <laughs> old Bugayev there, you know, and... Uh, Bugayev bit back. <laughs> he did. So, so there, there wasn't... Uh, maybe he needs to start showing a bit more respect for these guys. Maybe listen to someone like James McLean. James McLean said, there are no easy games in international football. People think Georgia and uh, Moldova are write-offs. Well, they're not. And I, I hope they had that discussion on the bus on the way to the airport. Report on sport. Um, but, you know, 3-1 is, is a decent result. Aaron eventually got it. Uh, got it done Seamus Coleman I thought was particularly good once again one of Ireland's most uh, creative players scored the goal on Thursday uh, had a series of good crosses eventually led to James McLean's goal just was doing a lot of damage kind of getting around the back of the Moldovan defence um, I think it's been a pretty good few days for Seamus Coleman actually yeah and funny he hasn't always at international level been able to express himself in an attacking way as much as he has in the last few days, especially last night, that's the kind of stuff that you want to see from Seamus Coleman. I mean, in his early mm. days, he was probably told not to attack too much. And I don't know what sort of license he has under O'Neill. It seems like a certain amount, all right. Plenty, I think. Yeah, he keeps, keeps dribbling to the byline. And yeah, so it does seem like he's getting, he's, get, he's getting into that side of it more and more in recent times. Great, because, uh, you know, we don't have that many attacking weapons, so we might as well use our defender who can attack <laughs> in so much as possible. And Seamus Coleman also, um, during the during this international break, an interview with him was published by Ian Ladyman in the Daily Mail in which he crowned himself mm-hmm. Ireland's no-bullshit king. Uh, sorry, what? Ireland's no-bullshit king. Oh, sorry. Okay, I heard that differently. No-bullshit king. <laughs> no-bullshit king is what I thought you said. I said noble, not, not Mark Noble. noble Shit king. I didn't know what it meant, and I was intrigued. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of weird that you both yeah, I've, thought I uttered that meaningless phrase. But uh, <laughs> no bullshit oh, was enough. the phrase. Yeah, no bullshit yeah. king, yeah. Um, and this is, uh, I suppose, the antidote to, to all of that kind of uh, stuff that's been, that's been going around lately. That uh, Tipperary player. Who was that Tipperary guy? Bubbles. Bub- Bubbles O'Dwyer. Oh, Bubbles Conor McGregor O'Dwyer. And of course, Conor McGregor himself uh, 
the uh, the conspicuous consumption, the we're not going to apologize for our spending generation of Irish sportsmen. Not that Bubbles has been has been buying loads of stuff at Louis Vuitton. I, I, I'd actually be surprised if he had. But it's an attitude. I think it's a, that's a slight misrepresentation of Bubbles and how he lives his life. But anyway, whatever. It's a it's a pose. It's a, it's a way of it's a Velton Shawung. You could say. You could uh, say that, yeah. Coleman couldn't be further away from all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 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 day in which uh, sorry, I'm just I'm really really shocked that Bubbles got brought into this. We're champions of Ireland. Yeah, come on, thank you, Bubbles. Yeah. But that doesn't really have anything to do with. Well, let's let uh, Vuitton. Do you want to take a bet with me that James Coleman will never do that in a post match on field interview? Ireland could win the World Cup, and James Coleman would not do that. That's yeah. No, I don't. Nobody wants to no, make that bet. No. And. How, how much? How much do you want to bet me that Seamus Coleman will never appear in a um, shopping video, touring around uh, expensive retail outlets on the Las Vegas Strip and buying himself jewellery and um, fashion luggage? See this pocket right here, Ken. Yeah, my money's staying in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Seamus Coleman uh, talking about talking about this scene. I mean, he says, you know, I think a fifteen or sixteen year old coming over from a place like Ireland really needs help. They need someone protecting them or looking after them. It's a big, bad world out there in football, and it's easy for a young footballer to be sucked into a certain way of life. If I see a footballer with a Louis Vuitton wash bag, I wonder what that does to others. If you're the only young lad in the changing room without one, then you feel that pressure. You need to go out and get one, even if you don't want one or even like one. That's what I think is wrong with football. It's completely wrong. Your job is to train well, play well on Saturday, do well week in, week out. That's your job. Your job isn't to be going out and buying the best of everything just because someone else is. But they all feel they need to have the best because of the pressure. They think they need to look good in their Instagram pictures. They think they have to follow the leader. But they're just kids. Boys. They need people looking after them. Good people. Parents. Agents. People who have their best interests at heart. But sometimes it isn't the case. How do you change it? I don't know. I just hate the thought of a young player in a dressing room feeling worried because seven of the lads have something that he doesn't have. Look at what I just Googled there, Ed. Seamus Coleman, age 27. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just had to check, you know, how far removed Seamus Coleman is from, you know, the, this materialistic Premier League world for yeah. young players now. He's talking like he's a little older than 27 there. Well, it's not as though this is, this is new, though, the idea of people who have money being exploited. I mean, what are luxury brands but a way to separate rich people who have no idea what to do with their money from that money? To, to, to release them from the burden mm. of the cash that they have no idea what to do with. They've got all this money, and it's like, well... They're thankful. What, do you do, what does somebody do who has this money? Oh, I suppose there's all these... I now have to buy all of these uh, branded goods, and that will, uh, you know... Fill the... Solve my problem. Mm. Fill the gaping hole where my heart should be. Um, well, I guess they have people... people I mean, Coleman is, is talking about people worrying about what other people think of them people thinking they want things because other people seem to want those things. Uh, this is something which Seamus Coleman, I'm glad to say, appears to be immune to. He's a strong-minded young man. He knows who he is. Uh, in, order, in order to help out young players at Everton, he apparently invites them over to his house for tea. Yes, tea. Um, tea as in the you know, tea, tea. Like dinner. Tea. I don't know. Or just tea. You know, t- tea. Be using either. Cucumber sandwiches. Afternoon tea. Do you, re- do you reckon he has those kind of cakes. those fancy plates? You know that afternoon yeah. tea is served on. I, I would those say that layers, he does kind of big, yeah. sort of four layers of plates. I mean, it sounds like quite a formal thing. You know, it's like a rite of passage. I, just, I, I like uh, I like his attitude. I think he's he's got his head screwed on. Um, 
Maybe he 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 was doing the press conference over the pre-match press conference over in Moldova, and uh, he had to clarify: I'm not against Instagram, and I'm not against wash bags. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wash bags are important. It's it's merely the kind of um, you know. Do you have a wash bag yourself, Ken? Or do you just I use don't. the inner the the pocket in the inner lining of your bag? I don't for know for your beauty products. I, I think I do have one, yeah, but it's not a it's not an expensive one. I mean, no one ever sees it. So, what's the point? I'll tell you <laughs> who Seamus Coleman would not be a fan of him. Who? Formula One superstar, Lewis Hamilton. Why? We should have a read of Barry Glenning's piece in The Guardian today. Hamilton's in a lot of trouble. He walked out of a press conference after the Japanese Grand Prix at the weekend because he felt he was getting a raw deal from the media. Part of the re- Nobody, A lot of people don't like Lewis Hamilton in the UK, and this article attempts to explain why. But uh, at Thursday's pre-race press conference for the Grand Prix. Hamilton whiled away his time. This is when he's at, he's doing the press conference, you know, it's himself and the other guys on the podium or who are, uh, I don't know how they actually picked the people who were there, but it was himself and Carlos Sainz was the other driver. So the, the two of them are sitting there supposedly answering questions when Hamilton was actually uploading videos of himself and Sainz and Snapchat, putting the old cartoon ears on, noses, whiskers. He was seen to be crying with laughter while doing so. And in the accompanying caption wrote, this shit is killing me, before wiping tears of mirth from his cheek with his sleeve. Lewis Hamilton is 31 years old. <laughs> so four years older than Seamus Coleman. That's another thing I don't think you'll find Seamus Coleman doing. Going on Snapchat, Snapchatting during a mm. press conference that he's supposed to be answering questions on, and breaking his, you, you, know, you know, what, laughing at how funny he is. Um, just looking if Seamus Coleman does have an Instagram. Not that I can find. He... Has a Twitter account, but the last tweet was 11th March 2012. Thanks to EA Sports FIFA for my early copy of FIFA Street. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, look, it's not as though he's against sort of necessarily commercial link-ups on principle. It's just this kind of mimetic desire. Let's all get the same expensive stuff to solve our problem of having too much money that we don't even know what to do with. Um, Yeah, well, that's... uh, that's him. And what else happened? The other thing that was happening, we were, you mentioned that Richie's coming in. We'll talk in a bit more detail about the game uh, with him. But um, there was a Harry Artist stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and this kind of, essentially on the night of the game, the Thursday night game, you know, that we were talking about this already, that Arthur, uh, you know, there was this rumour that he was considering switching to play for... England, which he was still entitled to do as he hadn't played a competitive game for Ireland. Uh, so Martin O'Neill was asked a few questions about that after the game. He didn't know anything about it. Uh, it later transpired that there was nothing to it. Um, Harry Arty, though, is quoted... Where did I read this in The Independent, I think? Uh, quoted saying uh, that he didn't... He wasn't too impressed with some of the messages he was getting on Twitter. And you can kind of imagine the sort of stuff that people... A certain type of person writes when they hear the news that Harry Arter, the snake, is just about to switch sides, to throw the green jersey aside and to bury his face deep in the petals of the English rose. Right? Mm. Not a pretty image. Mm. And people got onto him. At Harry Arter 2 on Twitter, he had to... Uh, if he, he got some fairly obnoxious stuff. Uh, Irish people who looked at a few newspaper stories and come to the conclusion that I was about to go and play for England. I don't know if there were any newspaper stories as such. Uh, there were definitely 
a lot of uh, reports on social media, rumours on social media, really. Uh, and quotes from Martin O'Neill saying he didn't know anything about it. And no quotes from Harry Archer saying this isn't true, incidentally. It would have been one quick way to... Uh, I mean, that's what the old Twitter account is handy for, just putting out a view there, if, you, if, if there's a way. He said, though... Uh, uh, Irish people looked at a few newspaper stories come to the conclusion I was about to go and play for England I never said that was happening my stance on the whole story was I didn't need to comment on something that was little more than a rumour then I see these Twitter messages and honestly it was the only time I've ever had a thought that maybe I shouldn't play for Ireland the messages were just vile I was shocked by what people were sending my way honestly I had to check that someone had not hacked my account and put a message on there to inspire this reaction a lot of the messages have now been deleted which says all you need to know about the people who thought it was a good idea to write them in the first place um, so that's another... Yeah, let's hope that doesn't <laughs> potentially create the story that didn't exist in the first place. The, that stuff that was aimed at him and suddenly make him start thinking, maybe I should go and play for England. Yeah, I don't think he will. Doesn't sound like it. No. Yeah, this uh, hyper-alert policing of the situation doesn't appear to have uh, helped a whole lot, to no. be honest. Do you know what I feel really sorry for? Is at Harry Arter 1. Yeah, yeah. Or, and, and took, took his fair share. Took his fair share of abuse. Go, what, what, what's this about? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who Ad Harry Arter is. Um, He's obviously a big cheese if he got in there ahead of Harry Arter, professional footballer on Twitter. Um, yeah, there is a there is an Ad Harry Arter, but uh, he hasn't tweeted. He or she hasn't tweeted. Um, so what what is going on? We will get back to the Ireland game as I mentioned. Um, Wayne Rooney uh, playing for England against Malta. Uh, Malta, England beat them 2-0. And Rooney booed by parts of the crowd at Wembley uh, after another typically 2016 performance from Wayne Rooney. It was interesting, actually, to see him being booed at Wembley when I distinctly remember being in Saint-Étienne in June and he was getting cheered. That that was the game that he was left out, the Slovakia game. Uh, Roy Hodgson left him on the bench, and Rooney was being cheered to the rafters by all the England fans who wanted him on the field. Yeah. Every time he went out on the sideline, they're all you know to warm up. They're chanting Rooney, Rooney. This was how many days ago was that? Is it a hundred days? It's in or around that. Uh, things have evidently changed. Maybe a different crowd, a different crowd at Wembley compared to the, the one that was in Saint Etienne. Um, the Times reports that he is one of the investors in that film scheme, which literally sounds like one of the worst ideas in the history of financial instruments, um, and uh, supposedly owes three and a half million pounds the revenue uh, that they have uh, they have demanded from him. They suggest at around the same time, you know, basically they link his slump in form to the uh, large tax bill that he has. Uh, apparently received having um, invested money in a film scheme, which turned out not to be that good an investment. Is that really a likely reason for his loss of form? Or is it just that he seems to be getting past it and can't play his old position and is trying to play a new position? I think those reasons are more germane. However, uh, it is the case that Rooney... I mean, Rooney's had these kinds of problems before, uh, not not specifically tax related problems, but what I mean is uh, personal issues. Personal issues, uh, which you know eventually became public. I mean, most obviously before the 2010 World Cup, um, where the newspapers had a had a 
had a big, uh, well, some of the newspapers had a lot of reports on his personal life, which didn't made for a fairly ugly reading, you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and he was playing really terribly at that time. Certainly nobody was suggesting that physically he was past. Remember, that was the season he won PFA Player of the Year. He did get an ankle injury towards the end of that season, um, which he never really seemed to recover from. But the World Cup was just horrific. It was a horrific, horrific um, level of performance by him. And I must say that afterwards, when the stories did come out, it kind of, I certainly thought they must have had something to do with it. You know, I mean, I'd be, just on the basis that if, you're, if your personal life was to be, um, <laughs> was to become this kind of national cabaret, you know, this amusement soap opera, this horrific uh, stuff, uh, it would be, it would put you in a pretty strange place mentally, I imagine. I mean, even for somebody who was used to being the subject of, you know, public discussion like Wayne Rooney. Yeah, but this latest one is, as you said, it's this scheme that has, that a lot of footballers have been caught up in and they'll say that they went into it in good faith and that they were maybe misled over how, well, essentially the, the revenue over in the UK decided that where a tax relief was being claimed, they're actually not entitled to it anymore. That's my understanding of it. And so therefore they're demanding loads and loads of money back. Mm. But I, I I don't see that as, you know, Rooney can, uh, I'm sure three and a half million isn't ideal for him to have to give away, but it's probably manageable, no? I don't know. I don't know. We don't know, we don't know exactly how much Wayne Rooney has in the bank. I mean, Wayne Rooney should have a lot more money than that, but who knows? Yeah. Who who knows? I'm not privy to his financial affairs. I mean, you do often notice with football players that you think are very rich, they're not really that rich. Things have gone wrong. Um, could he be worried about having to pay three and a half million? Three and a half million is a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of it's a lot it's a lot of cash. You know, it's a lot probably going to put you in a bit of a fouler no for a couple are. of hours. Yeah. You know, no matter who you are, really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to think of like the most extravagant purchase that I remember Wayne Rooney being seen. Uh, that giant two hundred pounds lo- for a packet of cig- packet of cigarettes. That giant red lollipop when he was on holidays <laughs> many years ago. That like like I mean I I don't know if he's know how much money you could necessarily blow on those lollipops. But. Why did he pay two hundred euro for cigarettes? Two hundred pounds. It was one of the. It was one of that was one of the details in the stories Owen, that I was just referring to that came around around the twenty ten World Cup. Rooney was in a hotel room and asked the bellboy to get him a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> and supposedly he gave him a tip of two hundred pounds. Uh, so uh, he maybe didn't have anything smaller than the two hundred pound note. I mean, he's just being, you know, I guess in that situation, he just wanted to, to keep the guy on good terms. You know, the last thing he wanted was, Wayne Rooney's in that room. You wouldn't believe how stingy he is. And another thing you wouldn't believe is, yeah, I mean, that may have... That may have uh, Incredible that England, Wembley still sells out for these games. There's such bad feeling around the England team at the moment. Everyone is fed up with them. Hmm. The Allardyce thing has happened. Gareth Southgate is in charge. A man, I'm not going to say almost devoid of charisma a team that they don't particularly like and uh, there's possibly even hostility towards and yet they get 86,000 or whatever it is to pay a good bit of money to go and see them play uh, and boo their most you know their most revered player yeah so it's a weird one it's yeah but you know England are still a big draw certainly in London there's a lot of people there there's a lot of 
there's a lot of people in London who like to go and see football and... England games should be free to attend, but on the way out, the FA have buckets into which people can put what they think their performance deserve, <laughs> said an <laughs> unnamed England fan oh, yeah. on Saturday night. Pay what you, uh, pay what you like, you know, basis. Yep. Um, I think, uh, well, you know, is really going to play. They're playing against Slovenia. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I think it might have got to that stage now. Uh, so we'll wait and see. That's tomorrow. But uh, what else went on? Spain uh, beat Albania 2-0 yesterday. And... Gerard Piquet, you'd think, clean sheet, another great performance. Uh, instead, faces a barrage of criticism for, unlike all his teammates, not wearing a Spain flag on his uh, shirt sleeve. The reason he didn't, apparently, was that he was wearing a long sleeve shirt, cut the sleeves off, and oh, whoops, the, the flag bit has gone off that. Well, that's okay, it doesn't matter. It's not like anyone's going to notice. Well, they do notice uh, those types of things. Piquet now says. I've tried everything, but I can't bear this anymore. Today's issue of the sleeves is the straw that breaks the camel. They've managed to make me lose the excitement of coming here, and although after Russia I'll still only be 31, I will leave. That's PK uh, announcing his decision to retire from international football after the World Cup, which I think is probably about the right time for him to do it anyway. He's 29 now. He's won two European Championships and a World Cup. Why... Is he even still in the team now? Well, just because you've won loads of stuff doesn't mean you shouldn't still be in the team. He's still Barcelona centre-half. Barcelona centre-half. It's not enough. I mean, PK gets uh, criticised a lot by because he is one of the more vocal Catalan uh, nationalists. And, mm. and what he certainly is, is in the Real Madrid-Barcelona rivalry, he's always one of the more active rubber inners of whatever result has just happened uh, if it's a good result for Barcelona you can count on PK uh, being there and he you know he does like to do that a little bit he would say I'm just having fun uh, I'm sure he's not really so naive as to think that you know one man's you know harmless joke bit of uh, locker room banter isn't you know millions of other little egg shaped people's uh, you know, deadly, bilious insult to the to the country that they uh, love so dearly. You know, so I do think, I mean, it's not as though PK is the only Catalan nationalist to have played for Spain. No, and the great miracle of what they've done there in the last 10 years, not necessarily miracle is overstating it, but getting those disparate strands of... Um, of types of people and, and belief systems to all play together under the and really row in together under the flag of Spain is quite an achievement. Mm. So why is it that Pique is the one that's getting... Because he's not as diplomatic it? about it as, for instance, Xavi always was. I mean, Xavi is, is, is a, also a Catalan nationalist. He's a, he's a guy who would be like... Or when I say nationalist, I mean, I'm not saying, saying necessarily that he's a real, you know, glassy-eyed loon who, you know... Uh, but, you know, the, he, he is a independence for Catalonia type guy. Um, and it's not as though he conceals that. You know, he plays for the Catalan national team. But he also, uh, when Spain won the World uh, Euros, uh, was at the fountain in Madrid with all the other players and was singing uh, Que Viva España. You know, he was kind of joining in with all this. I mean, that was... He got in trouble in Catalonia for doing that. Be like James McLean. You know, West Brom win the Premier League and he joins in with the Real Britannia, whatever. You know, obviously that's never going to happen. Another bet I'm not going to take, a, He's more of a PK. He's more in the PK camp than the, 
than the Xavi. But, you know, what, all I'm saying is that there are ways to approach this. Xavi never had this sort of issue, uh, as far as I'm aware of, with the Spain supporters. Um, PK does, and I don't really think that it's... I don't think that he can get away with just blaming them. I think there is also an element of his own behavior in there that has... Provoke is the wrong word, but I think uh, it sort of takes Steve the Tango on that. Report on sport ends now. Richie has arrived. How are you, Richie? I'm you well. I'm pretty good, yeah. How are you? Were you worried after about an hour yesterday, last night? After an hour? Do you know what? I, I don't think I was. I think no. that the, the first half went well enough, barring the, the mistake for the goal just before half time. But um, I don't know. I always felt as if we, 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 we had another goal in us. Mm. There was a spell early in the second half where they had a bit of possession. Remember Darren Randolph came out for that punch, which didn't go so well. Shane Duffy kicked the Moldovan in the box, but thankfully an offside decision had been given. And there were a few moments where I started kind of fearing that we were going to drop points against a pretty shockingly poor team. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, did. I, did. I finally, I've, I've pierced through Richie's uh, tough exterior. It didn't take much to crack there, did no, it? No. <laughs> one reply. You wouldn't be a great witness in a One in a reply and I've, I've crumbled. No, I suppose there was early on. Maybe I'm just sitting here because I know it was three points and it was three goals and, and was relatively comfortable by the end. But of course, there's a little spell where you think, Christ, is this going to be one of those? In fairness, at the time, I would have felt an undeserved dropping of points mm. had we drawn the game because we'd played so well in the first half. Well, not so well. We played well in the first half. So better than Thursday, although that was a, the bar was quite low. But um, pleased with the win. It was six points, which is the target for the, for the week. But there was plenty of other things to discuss other than merely the, the, the results and the fact that we got six points. And the table looks great. We're seven points after three games. But there's a lot of stuff that you'd still, you'd still be concerned about. Yeah, obviously the manager is still concerned because he mm. had to 
again give a rollicking to the players at half time. They've said this after the game. This is the second game in a row. Like it's weird because you hear, particularly now, that players do respond to that kind of thing periodically. But club managers, what was that book Mike Calvin wrote, "Living Living on the Volcano" mm. or whatever it's called? Managers talk there about the fact that you can you can kick the still kick the tactics board down and all the rest of it. But if you do it more than once or twice in a season, you're going to start looking a bit ridiculous, and players won't respond. It seems amazing to me that O'Neill had to deliver that twice in four days and that in fairness the players seem to respond both times. I assume Thursday's had a bit more behind it than, than last night. I mean Thursday's first half performance was was by any measure unacceptable. Um I, I would assume last night at halftime didn't require exactly the same. There were so many more things that they did well last night that that just weren't on show at all on Thursday. But it's it's pleasing that he's doing it. It is obviously a, you're asking us to well, that's two games in a row now. I'm not, I'm not saying he shouldn't be doing it at all. Obviously, mm. you know, the, the manager's got to do what he has to do. I suppose I'm really more surprised that the players have needed that approach for two matches in a row. Although, as you're saying, they didn't seem to play particularly badly in the first but half. That, that's, that's kind of my takeaway after the two games. It's not, and we were saying this after the game last night, if you just take it on a results basis or a points basis, then we should all be sitting here, you know, feet up, six points, Two wins. This is great. Couldn't end, couldn't be better. There's no room for improvement. But if you remove that and actually look at the two games, there's three hours of footage, the ma- majority of which you'd be sitting there going, "Oh, I don't know if this approach is going to get us qualification. I don't even think it'll get a second in the group." So those are the kinds of things that I would hope internally O'Neill and Keane are talking about. Whatever about being defensive or a bit prickly publicly in interviews, I would hope that when when everyone goes home and they're sitting with the DVD and they're chatting amongst themselves, that there's a number of points on their list of areas that they need to focus on. But we're talking about approach, though. I mean, I don't, it's as though everything is up to us. It's as though you get the results if you make just the right uh, decisions, or you play the game the way it's supposed to be played, then the results automatically follow, which isn't true. You know, Wales have been playing great football recently. They lose two important players in Joe Allen and Aaron Ramsey, and they can't beat Georgia at home. You know what I mean? It's, it, it doesn't take a, a whole lot to turn a good team into a bad one. Uh, Ireland went to Moldova. They didn't have Brady and Hendrick, who I think most people would have, you know, in, probably in the top three players in the team, definitely the two of the top five players in the team. No doubt about that. Uh, they weren't there. And we're expected to go on as though, as though nothing has happened. I mean, I don't think anybody makes allowances for the fact that we don't actually have many good players and, and two of the best ones were injured the other night. Or out, injured and suspended, sorry. So are you saying any, any criticism it, it, it should have that in mind? I just don't think there's much realism to the criticism when you look at the quality of players that we have and the quality of players that, for instance, Georgia have. Well, what it, it, first Is there of much all, difference? I, I always start that conversation but what are the specific criticisms like the spe- are we taking this over a two game basis or are we just focusing on last night I suppose we can focus on both yeah well and uh, I mean no, no reason but, but, not to lump in the Serbia game as well right well th- what was galling about Thursday in particular that totally separate from any technical ability or standard of play or, of player that we have in the first half it was just as, as flat and lifeless and as disjointed and lacking in any kind of creativity as or inspiration. An, as, a, as an Ireland game usually is. No, the bar, like, come on. Have you... Absolutely. At, Richie, at you that level. At that, that level. At that level, absolutely. Not that bad. Give me five good 
matches that you've seen Ireland play Memory since Memory isn't my strong part. I can't since, give you one. Since 2002, are there five good, five really good performances? Five good 90-minute performances from the Irish team in that whole time? 90 minutes? Give me, give me five 90-minute performances that we've, pr- that we've put in since 2002. No, I'm asking for one every three years, yeah, but, roughly. That's, but that's not the, the bar we're talking about here. We're talking about a basic level of performance. Not brilliant. Not, not, not like a, an excellent performance. I think It's basically what we saw against Georgia was so far off average. You know, that's so far off an average like, performance by any football team that that's, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about... You know, you know, we should be training up against Georgia at halftime. Is this? Are you talking about Georgia, who who just held recent European Championship semi-finalist Wales to a draw in Cardiff, and really should have beaten Wales? Watch, well, watch yeah, the last few minutes that of that matter? game; why, they could have beaten them four-one. Why does that matter? Why does when you when you're the team we were playing on Thursday? Right now, when you go back and look at that forty-five minute performance by the Irish players, mm. so if you see. Go, whatever Walters being ineffective McLean doing nothing Brady and Hendrick making no impact going forward McCarthy hiding all of that and if you look at that as a standalone 45 minutes of football it doesn't matter if Georgia go on and win the Shagan World Cup or if they never score a goal again for the rest of the campaign what we saw that night by our standards should still be unacceptable I, I don't buy the argument that if you know you always hear a manager you know well this team will take will take points off other players, other teams. They might. But when you're talking about a performance, and you're talking about ourselves, and you're talking about taking responsibility. And exactly like Murph said, I always think people have to be specific here. And you always get the response. With, and a key, Roy Keane did it in the press conference the other day. We're never going to be one of these teams that are going to have 60 passes between the centre-halves. Right, well, thanks, Roy, for clarifying that. But there's not one sane person in the world who suggested that as something that we should aim to be. And you get people, well... We're never going to dominate people. We're never going to be like Spain or Arsenal. Thanks again, but not one person is saying that. What we're saying is that we can use the ball in a better way. We can be a bit more careful in possession of the ball. We can certainly on Thursday night look like we give a shit and not look like a group of players that are absolutely entitled to get ripped to pieces by their manager in the dressing room at halftime. You think we didn't look like we were we gave a shit? Uh, no, I, I, I do think we did, and I absolutely did, but I think the performance didn't communicate that in any way. We're just standing off Georgia. Georgia had the ball, we just backed off. When we had the ball, there wasn't any examples, certainly wasn't numerous examples that I can think of, where Irish players were demanding the ball or, or, or looking with real purpose like they were about to create something. I know what Ken means. It does feel as though this particular match for some reason has been and fairness we're analysing again now even though there's been a game in between times but I, I guess what happened against Georgia is more interesting to talk about in some ways and we'll get on to some of the specifics of Moldova it seems to have been analysed a lot m- just over analysed m- more than most games Like we, we seem to have certainly played a lot of games to a standard as low as we have against Georgia in the last say 10 years and generally, if you get like we rarely win by more than we've never beaten them by more than a goal, and I don't remember this kind of analysis after any of the previous ones. It's weird. It's, it's obviously been picked up on by the players. This is James McLean talking to Sky Sports after the game last night. We got a lot of flack after the, the Serbia game, a lot of flack after the Georgia game. So we don't want to repeat tonight. Um, I think unfairly so as well. You know, we've I think the Irish press, especially, they need to have a realization that you no, know, a bit of a reality check. We're not going to blow teams away. We, we know that. We're, we, we've, we've always been a team that works hard, and you know, when has ne- one's never been enough. Do you know what I mean? And for some reason, the the media seem they um, 
it's it's an one situation. You know, um, we play pretty football, and if we don't win, or well, we should have won. We play, we don't play pretty football, and we won. Well, we we need to play better football. So, someone tell me where there's a there's a one in there. Do you know what I mean? So, but look, I'm, I've always been one of those people. No matter a one, no matter what, no matter how it comes, um, that's just me. Can I first say I love James McLean's post-match interviews. He's I, excellent on RTE as well. I don't always get every word that he says to <laughs> I'm finding him easier. I'm, I, I think, I've tuned, I think I've tuned into the James McLean wavelength over the years and I seem to understand most of what he said. I have to concentrate more during his interviews than any other interview. Do you have, a, do you have enough there though to see you scribbling down a couple of notes about what he said? Well, he, he did the very same thing that I just said tends to be the first response to people in this conversation. Is we're never going to blow teams away again. Well, I, I, it's a little talking point, obviously, isn't it? I mean, someone said it and they're all saying it now, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think we're saying we should expect team to, to Irish player, or Irish teams to blow teams away. And he said that, you know, Irish players always works hard. They always work hard. But sorry, the Georgia performance wasn't an example of that. The manager actually calls them out for not doing enough hard work. Exactly. So that's a legitimate criticism. We, we were guilty of not, we were, we were not doing the thing that we always expected players to do. Which was, which was to work really hard, to close down the opposition, to deny people space, not outpass them and not be far more entertaining than them, but just be difficult to play against and look like we're difficult to break down. We didn't look like that on Thursday night. So those, those criticisms are legitimate. It's interesting that those criticisms are penetrating the camp, though. I mean, we've seen Martin O'Neill getting narky with Tony O'Donoghue, which is, has been a regular feature of his time in charge. But the players themselves, see, I, I, I don't know if it should be surprised that... It seems like the kind of thing that usually happens when a team is falling apart a little bit or a team has lost a few games. But I find it interesting that the players are coming out and criticising the media for criticising them... It all seems a little bit toxic considering we've got seven points in three games and the team is motoring along pretty nicely. Yeah, I don't know specifically which criticisms they're, they're talking about. The panel, the RT panel that you're part of, I always assume that that's the first protocol. That but that can't be the only in. one that they're, that they're talking about really, is it? Mm. They, they can't be judging their whole response or their whole... In, their whole views of the media and media coverage based on what three lads in the studio say. They're probably told by friends and family what goes on, what's said elsewhere, I guess. Oh, yeah, so, I if so. so if a player gets criticised, they do end up hearing about it. Oh, I think so. Any negative, <laughs> <laughs> any negative comment about it very quickly yeah. finds its way to the ears. Is this the cost <clears throat> maybe of the interest? Is there an added interest in this team now since they went well at the Euros? supporters maybe started coming back to them in a certain way and there's an added level of intensity around the discussion around the team? Anyone buying that? No. Just I, always, well, there's always an interest. No, I think, again, if you break it down to performance to performance, I, I, I don't think anything that's been said, the majority of what's been said in the analysis of any of the three games, you'd, you'd largely disagree with. Go back to Serbia. <coughs> like, it, it was really tough to watch that. We, we just didn't look like we'd ever played football. We didn't look like passing the ball, keeping the ball was an intention, let alone something that we could actually deliver on. And it was difficult to watch. Difficult conditions? Difficult conditions. Because <laughs> we were away from home. No, because it was torrential rain. There was, you know, we liked to, to get the ball moving on a, on a nice, uh, a lush Irish-style surface. That was a, a bumpy uh, Balkan quagmire. And uh, 
It's, you know, all well, I'm I, saying is to emerge with a two-all draw is you know, better than Austria managed to do. Yeah, I, I, I think the one thing about the criticism maybe is that we were so bereft of any hope even during the Trapetoni era that all, all the games, no one ever looked forward to the Trapetoni games with any sort of, you know, optimism or, right, we'll get amongst these, we'll get a couple of goals. I mean, I think that there's a small element of hope amongst this Irish team and that that has kind of enlivened people enough to say, right, well, this this isn't good enough, we can do so much better. And what we've seen from the performances is actually within games, uh, you know, 15, 20-minute periods of performance that actually make the other, you know, 70 or 75 minutes of performance all the more frustrating. So if you talk about the Serbia game, get an early goal, play terribly, and then once we're in a serious hole, we actually start playing reasonably well. And that that's frustrating for us to watch because, well, why didn't we just do that for 45 minutes or 60 minutes? We'd have won the game. Uh, again against Georgia, play terribly and then come out and actually not do that bad. It actually just just puts the terribleness of the first half into even starker relief. And I think that, that maybe that's why, because I mean, as you say, I mean, it's not like, you know, you, you have to go trolling through the history books to find terrible Irish performances at home against bad teams. I mean, we do it all the time. So um, that that would be, that's one theory as to why, because I kind of agree with you. I mean, we have been talking a lot about this terrible Georgia performance that ended with us winning the game. Mm. We've been talking about it an awful lot for, <laughs> you know, for, for, for no apparent reason. I think that maybe that's the reason that we know that these guys are good. Like, we know how good uh, Robbie Brady and Jeff Hendrick are and we're, like, really emotionally invested in them because they've d- they have did it so well at the Euros. And when they play badly, it's not just, oh, God, they play badly. It's like, we know you can do much better and so there's maybe a tinge Whose of, fault is of this? anger. Yeah, whose fault is it? Exactly, you know? Mm. So, I, I mean, that's the only theories I can come up with. I think, I think that's a good thing to acknowledge in this whole conversation, that it's not necessarily about expecting these players to do something they've never done before. It's, we're, we're starting from a place where we say, we've seen you do better, individually, collectively, and again, I'm not proposing we should expect them to be at their peak for 90 minutes. That's not how sport works. It's certainly not how football works. But there's a level at which we know they're capable. Work rate and on the ball, off the ball, and it's been below that for a little while. Well, for for this... Are we not allowed to talk about this Georgia game again? I, I'm afraid to mention it. <laughs> well, I did want to ask about uh, last night's performance, and particularly that of James McLean, who Duffer reckons should have been man of the match, actually, as opposed to... He scored two what, goals. He usually do yeah. win man of the well, match. Wes seems to get quite a few of them, doesn't he? Wes, I'd say he's probably got a good ratio of man of the match awards to caps anyway, but yeah. uh, <laughs> McLean did score the two goals, said himself on the RT interview afterwards that he played... Terribly up until that point. <laughs> but he, he got his two goals. I had a shocker. See, Murphy's totally on the McLean <laughs> wavelength. Uh, yeah, Duff said he's added a lot of strings to his bow. Much better movement. He finds space better. He's got a good right foot. Heads the ball better than he used to do because he obviously saw him coming in as a rival when he first started as a winger in the Irish squad. That's a scathing, a lot of- uh, <laughs> scathing uh, analysis of... The qualities he brought to the panel at the time. Oh, at the very, at the very start. <laughs> well, I, I well he, was, he was certainly raw anyway, but yeah. like, it was, I was interested in somebody like Duff, who knows so much about wing play, was as impressed as he was. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with what he said. When we first saw McLean, when, when he left Derry, when he went to Sunderland and he came into the Irish team, but he did look like a bit of a one-trick pony. He had pace and he was direct. Not could pass the full-back. It would just head down, run past, and if he was quick in the full-back... He looked like a player. And if he wasn't quicker, it was all about pace. Mm. If the fullback was quicker, McLean didn't really have a plan B. And that's, 
I suppose that comes in then to I suppose coaching and experience and, and, and being taught how to play the position in ways other than just beat the full back. Um so yeah, he has improved all of all of those things. Because mm. he didn't have them initially. Like he like I remember at Derry he didn't have them. And it's on I spoke to I'm not gonna name a, a full back who played against him in the Premier League and, and, and he elaborated on the very same thing. He said, I now have this fella for pace and I'm gonna have a handy day and he did. That's pretty impressive though to uh, I don't blow James McLean up to be a world class superstar, but to get to the point that he played his way into the team during the Euros and I thought was actually pretty decent against France, caused him a couple of problems, is now rescuing games he's like very this. Very good against Italy. To be very fair. good against mm. Italy, like you know, he's, and he's he's probably his kind of game against Italy as well. But and maybe that's a bit disparaging because there was a lot of physicality about it. He, sure, he still shows flashes of temper. <laughs> he was quite quite defensive. <laughs> he was quite defensive about that in an interview last week. He, about the flashes of temper? Yeah, he said, no, I've got <clears throat> that, this reputation. Like, I've only been two red cards and one of them's been rescinded. Well, he looked well, like that was possibly about to, be based yeah, on your, your hot-headed reputation. He, even the one where Walters... You could see the Irish players were getting fu- furious about some of the tackles going in. Like, Coleman kept saying, what's the story with this? Yeah, the right one, head. This, one this, one this number 10, I, I, I keep, I keep yeah. skinning him and he keeps just kicking me down yeah. and he won't get booked. And did Coleman get booked eventually? He did, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Coleman, Coleman got booked early, early in the second half. So this dead-off guy kept... And eventually, it was the same guy. It was number 10 who kicked Walters in the chest. <laughs> yeah. Walters takes up his... Shows his... Well, we talked about Hendricks' physical physique. And I think uh, oh Walters yeah. rivals him. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Good, good, good six back there. So showed that to the referee, trying to get your man booked. And in the, in the middle of all this, you could see O'Neill coming on and trying to calm everything down. And suddenly there's a, just a shot, a cutaway shot of McLean picked out by the TV director. You couldn't really see what McLean had done, I don't, I, I don't think. Oh, no, McLean was just getting involved. Just getting involved, just running around in the middle he of it. He had to come all the way over the from the other side <laughs> of the yeah. pitch. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Don't, don't touch me, don't touch me. I'm fine, I'm fine. As he was about to, you know take someone's head off you can't take that away from this game though Ken as I say no. well I mean we were talking on Friday about how he you know was Ireland's best centre forward on the night with his, <laughs> with his headers and here he is again in the six yard box uh, scoring uh, two goals I mean that's I can't remember the last time an Irish winger scored two goals yeah uh, interesting point that you made in the in the Irish Times this morning Ken oh, and yeah, well, I only mention it because, well, no. That's but, still uh, available. You can, you can buy the paper in the shops or go online, right? The um, You were saying that basically Brady, Hendrick and Hulan all need to be in the team. McLean also needs to be in the team. Well, yeah. And, that, and, and basically you, what, what you were saying is that one of Johnny Walters and Shane Long, therefore, their position is under threat. And I was interested to see how well Walters played once he moved into the, the central role oh, yesterday. Better. And... Are we again talking, even though Shane Long did get the goal yesterday and everyone was delighted for him, obviously to end the whatever it was, 18 games or whatever. I mean, yeah. are, is, is that what you're darkly hinting at? Well, I don't know. There's also, I mean, basically I was saying, you know, Brady and Hendrick are, are very good. You want them to be in our team. Hulahan is like our best player. It's ridiculous to leave him out. So how do you get them all in the team? Um we have done it before on a few occasions when uh, Ireland beat Germany. They all played in midfield, but James McLean didn't play in that game. Uh, when Ireland, you know, played Sweden in the start of the years, they all played in midfield. But again, James McLean was on the bench. James McLean is not coming out of that team now. Mm. There's just no way. I mean, I mean, what would it take for Martin O'Neill to drop James McLean? He'll just drop Wes, though. Yeah. Well, in that case, you know, you're going to get if you get if you get a kicking from from fans and media for playing bad football and you leave your best, your most skillful, your best player to watch by a mile but you can't drop on the long. bench. 
Mm. Long's the only actual striker. Oh, what about Jones, maybe? Yeah. And what about goalie-adore James McLean? Yeah, when he actually starting as a straightforward centre-forward. Who said, said anything about straightforward centre-forward? Oh, false nine. No, play, well, playing McLean and Hula on either side of, of, Walters. of Walters or 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 along. You know, like I would have said actually that Walters, having been utterly brilliant for us for the last two years, hasn't actually didn't play well against Serbia. Didn't really do all that much against Georgia, and for sixty minutes yesterday, didn't really have an impact on the game either. But when he went central, I mm. felt he had a really really good game. Now, I mean, I, I <laughs> it 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 is kind of weird because I mean. I think everyone loves Shane Long. They see what Shane Long brings to the team. But at the same time, that sounds to me like maybe there's a better balance to that with Walters. And you've all, and you've all the, you've as many footballers as you, as we can handle as we have in the squad, basically in the team hmm. in, in that lineup. And you've got, well, the other alternative obviously is, uh, is Stephen Ward's um, position, you know, because Robbie Brady has played there. Can, I guess, play left back. That's why I'm getting him in the team. I mean, I think it's important to have him in the team because he's the best deliverer. I mean, he's one of the best players, but when you look at the fact that, I mean, didn't we have, we had a free kick last night with Hulan passed to Hulan. Mm-hmm. You know, someone sent me a, some, sent me a WhatsApp said they should get him to do that 100 times in training. See how many times he scores and make a decision empirically based on that as to whether ever to pass the ball to Glenn Whelan in a shooting, up, uh, shooting position. I mean, it happened once against Italy. What a goal. Seven, seven years ago. But should we really be playing free kicks to Glenn Whelan for him to have a pop at a goal? Maybe there's another way. If Brady's on the field, you might score one of those free kicks. You know, the, the quality of the corners and, and free kicks into the box also goes up. I think he has to be there. Um, Just on Wes, right? Hmm. Okay. He involved in two of the goals last night in ways that, you know, as you guys talked about in TV, Richie, other players just wouldn't be involved. You know, the goal wouldn't have been scored. The second, third goal? Third one. The yeah, third yeah, goal yeah. just wouldn't have been scored. Nobody else is making a player on the far side with a pass to an unrushing right back. But Wes is far from perfect. You know, he fresh aired a shot. He got knocked off the ball once or twice. He hit another po- He hits, his left footed shot seemed surprisingly quite weak a lot of the time considering how, how good he is on the ball. You think he'd be able to strike it a little bit better. Are we just a little bit in danger of overdoing... Everyone's arguing for Wes so much that we're almost overdoing, we're overlooking his. Ba- like you could have put a package together last night if you really wanted to and said, "Oh look, Wes, Wes, Wes played terrible, player, <laughs> worst player in the and World sh- Cup," and you would have had five or six clips to to back it up. You know, he's not perfect. I, and against Moldova, of course, he should be in the team, but maybe you can see where O'Neill is coming from against the biggest sides. Come back to last night. You, when you're in the studio, you, obviously you have a very limited amount of time, particularly saying the halftime break, and and you know then what talk time you have post match, and you've only a certain amount of analysis pieces you can put together. So you have to choose which is the most relevant. And I always have that in the back of my head, going, are we, are we just are we just doing this? Are we just kind of making a celebrity out of the person who's not in the pitch, whoever that happens to be? But I do genuinely believe that the things we say about Wes. Are, are, are worth saying and are relevant and I absolutely agree there were a load of things last night you could put together a package of you know this is why O'Neill doesn't play him mm. but you could have put a John Walters package as well mm. or you could put a, a Shane Long package you could listen maybe this fella needs a, a stint on the bench so but the things that he can do I, like you said I just don't think other players could do it he can you know hit the air shot he can be muscled off the ball he can concede possession we're all equally able to do that but he can do the thing that others can't and I think that's why, going back to Thursday again, in a game which, which 
which you think, well, what does this game need? You look at our bench. You go, is there anything there that maybe we can... And you just think, well, why isn't he coming on? Or why hasn't he been introduced? So that would be a frustration. But I, I do... I, I am always asking myself, are we, are we just doing this? Is it too easy to look at a poor performance by 11 players and then stress the, the, the strengths of the fellow who's not there and put him forward as the answer? But I think in, in this case... You've wrestled with your conscience and you well, you kind of have to keep right out, yeah, because you don't just be this, just yeah. think ham, beating the same jump for the sake of it, and just because yeah. you've said it once, you means you have to keep saying it. You always check in. They go, well, is it still as relevant as the last time I said it? And I think in this case, I think it is. Wes Hillen is sorry. Wes Hillen is not the best player in the world. I mean, if Wes Hillen was Messi, he wouldn't be playing for Norwich, you know. But that doesn't mean he's not the best player in the Irish team. You know, it's it, this is kind of this is where we're at. Wes Hoolan is our best player, and you know our best footballer in terms of the things he can do with the ball. The, the way that he sees the game, nobody else. We don't have anyone else who, who can do that. He's our best one, and he's not perfect. Uh, you know, if if you were to design him on a computer, uh, you might want for him to be a bit younger. You might want for him to be a little bit bigger. You know, you might you might you might change certain things about him if in an ideal world. But he's the best that we've got. Like that's the kind of team that we are. So um, it's it doesn't make any sense to kind of concentrate on. Well, he had an air shot and didn't get knocked off the ball and didn't give it away a couple of times because he also produced moments in that game which are beyond any other Irish player. And overall, if you look at his performance, he's he's still our best. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know we end up talking about him. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that this idea that you can just give Wes Hoolan a, a free pass and just say. Right, he's he's the answer to any question you want to ask about the Ireland team. I think that's wrong. Obviously, that's wrong. But there, it just sticks out like a sore th- thumb when he comes on and, and, like, within two minutes, hits a pass that we just wouldn't have seen if he wasn't there. I think the players think it's, think it's bullshit as well when he gets left out. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I remember after he scored against Sweden in the in the Euros, Robbie Brady afterwards. I was really struck by by the way that Robbie Brady talked about Hulan afterwards. It was like a fan. You know, he really was. He was, like, delighted for Wes Hulan that he'd scored because it was like he's, you know, th- this guy. You could see that he really res- he really respects him as a player. And like, he was saying, I just love watching him. Yeah. I just, I'm on the same pitch, and I just love watching <laughs> him, you know. But, I mean, like, why wouldn't you, as you were, uh, if you were a player playing al- alongside Wes Hulan? Because he, he makes you look good. Like, he, he does make you look good. He, he, he the Passing is crisper. You get the ball in better positions. I mean, Shane Long, you know, like ask Shane Long if he thinks Wes Hoolan should be in the team or not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like I could get Kieran Clark kicking me 50 yard balls with snow on it or Wes Hoolan, you know, hits a pass. And I, I, I don't I, even I have to, to control. Yeah, I, yeah, all I have to do is basically not trip up, you know, and just point my foot in the direction of the goal and it's a goal. I think Wes handles himself in interviews very well. And last night as well was the latest example. I think Tony at one point asked him a specific, you know... Here, what the hell is going on, Wes? Sele- <laughs> selection-related question or something. And he just batted away. Oh, so, you yeah. know, we're here he's a serious team. dead batter Yeah, uh, he, 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 he does that very well. So if he, he doesn't stoke things up at all, which in fairness, he doesn't need to. The rest of us are all doing that. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. pretty wise course of action. If only I could get some people talking about me in the, in the Notice media. me. Yeah, Notice yeah. me. Richie, we'll tr- next slot we'll try to, n- whatever it's about, have it not be about the Ireland-Georgia game. But I can't make any promises. Thanks for coming in. Cheers, lads. The training pitch is all stress. Somebody's got somebody's to hold a hand up and say, it's like training on a car park. No, 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 no regrets about it, no. As soon as you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. 
Who? John Delaney? He could have phoned me. Of course he could have. Try my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. As an ex-player, and as an Irishman, and I mean an Irishman, uh, born and reared here, then I, I felt I was entitled to give my opinion. Swinging in the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistling my name. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game. Why would you turn it off? I see you. Put on silence. You just gonna let it ring? All right, it's good manners. Play a video game. If that was my team, I'd go into the dressing room and I wouldn't even mention that ball. I'd just say, why didn't someone put their head in it? France would definitely take it, and Ireland never grabbed it. Usual, usual stuff. Afraid of that next step. Mentally not strong enough. But they can complain all they want, and all these complainers, they can complain all they want. It's not going to change. France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. The other results in the group were interesting to say the least, Ken. We've already alluded to Wales against Georgia, that draw there. You seem very impressed with Georgia in that game. Well, I mean, I've seen, I saw Wales. I was there when Wales beat Belgium. They're very good. Uh, they were very good that night. Um, but the difference between good Wales and mediocre Wales is just a couple of players. Um, and they were missing Aaron Ramsey and Joe Allen. And there was nothing there. You know, there was Bale. I mean, Bale scored a brilliant goal. And that's really all that Wales managed to do in the game. And it was it was funny. I mean, after Wales, after Georgia managed to equalise, there was then a flurry of chances for Georgia. Wales collapsed completely. You know, so... I mean, we're arguing about our team and how well or how badly it's playing. And obviously, they haven't played particularly well. And we don't have a player like Bale who can... You know, Bale is, is almost goal-a-game level these days. For We don't have uh, players like that. But at the same time, you know, we, it's, it's, a, it's a good while since I've seen us disintegrate in that... Well, maybe against Serbia we did disintegrate a little bit, but we managed to reintegrate. We uh, T-1000ed back together in the, in the <laughs> final... You know, yeah, it's... We should be thanking Georgia, by the way, more to the point. Always. Rather than always thanking Georgia for A, allowing us to beat them by a single goal every time, as we mm. discussed mm-hmm. quite a lot, and B, just taking care of uh, opposition roughly on a par with us all yeah. the time. You know, Scotland should, last time, Wales this time. We should seek an ever closer alliance with yeah, our with friends. With our friends in Georgia, get trying to get them every time. Well, they just, they've, they've been brave for us. And, and look, maybe, maybe there's going to be a sting in the tail of this particular relationship. Aren't we? we still have to go to Georgia. Still have to go to Georgia and get something. I, I'll um, tell you again. Uh, but uh, but yeah, what a At the moment, wonderful they are, partners they've been. Our faithful attack hound. <laughs> we, we we thank them for it. All right, that'll do for the time being. Austria obviously beaten by Serbia three two ahead of our trip to Vienna. So I'm sure we've, we've a few weeks talking about talking about that one ahead of us. So we leave it for now. And we've been talking for quite a while. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Million. Thanks, Thanks for Kira. listening. We've got our other podcast out today, so have a look for that. It might already be out now. Who knows? That's the second time it's gone off. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 